This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. Well, our guest today is no stranger to this show. Sherita Britt, or what shall I say, comedian Rita B., is here today, and we'll talk with her about her life after Mississippi Public Broadcasting as a stand-up comedian. We'll talk with Sherita, plus we'll chat about the latest headlines and our weekend roundup. And our question of the day is this. What's your dream job? Well, I mean, mine's this. This is my dream job. You can be part of the show today. Just give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back after the news. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Happy Monday. Oh, gosh. What Christmas is like right around the co- corner. Well, you post it every, uh, every day. You give us the countdown of how many days well, we have left. What? It's a public service <laughs> announcement to all the guys out there to keep them from having to go to the gas station to get the shot glass oh, and set Jackson, Lord. Mississippi no. on it. Give to their Not wife. the shot glass. No. Hey, I've almost been there before. You can get ashtrays and all kinds of great things <laughs> in gas stations that are open on the 24th. Sounds like but, a truck stop to me. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Never underestimate a good truck stop on Christmas hey, you- Right. Well, well, it's the only thing that's open. It's the only thing that's open. On any day. <laughs> well, we have a very, very special guest, a, a voice that you've heard many times on this show, and I'm very glad that she's back. I ran into her not long ago, and of course, her career is nothing but amazing at this point. Y'all remember her maybe as Sherita Brent, but that person's dead now. She's gone. She's, she's now. Gone. now. She's, she's Rita Brent. She's comedian Rita B. She's famous. She's in the house. Yay. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can get yeah we're going to go on and put her on it because, you know, this is a special day. Hey, we're not, we not going to do our spirit. We're going to do it with. Now, this no, is family we're gonna open it. You know, we got to open up with a prayer. You know, like the church starts off with <laughs> prayers. Yeah, she needs a prayer for this show. Mm-hmm, we need yeah, a prayer. She did it for two years. On. She did a prayer for this show every <laughs> single Monday. Well, this is true. That this is, is true. true. Oh, man, look at it. You got. You see, the big difference is now she's not here anymore so that when. Uh, there's food out there right, from right. our previous wonderful, amazing host mm-hmm. that I never got any of it because Sharita, you'd eat the whole thing. Uh, here we I go. come in, and then she complained how <laughs> cold it was. And I'm taking my jacket off. I know, this is, this is my off. first time eating fried turkey, so I'm I'm pretty mesmerized by it. Pretty this. darn good, isn't it? Yeah, the skin. The skin, yeah. Itself, yeah. Just... Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't need the meat. No, yeah, you just eat no. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, big thing is you don't ever say, hold my beer, and you don't throw the you don't throw it in the vat frozen. Oh, Otherwise, okay. you like have a, like an H bomb mushroom cloud. Oh boy! Yeah, that's just a little bit of um, from the redneck part of me. Tell you that you just don't want to be. I doing didn't that. know you had any redneck in your oh, mushroom God. cloud. You know, well, what do you know? So there you go. I went to a high school named Sprayberry. What do you think? So, oh, okay. but okay. yeah, no, it's good to have you. Uh, you just in from Huntsville? Yes, uh, at a, a three show weekend in Huntsville, Alabama at the Stand Up Live Comedy Club, which is brand new. It's about a right. year old and I was on tour with Ricky Smiley and friends and something interesting happened Friday night. And yeah, no Ricky Smiley. Snow. <laughs> yeah, Ricky got snowed in and so the friends had to do the show and carry on and that was great. So typically I do about 15 minutes of stand up. Yeah. I had to do 30 that night and just luckily the crowd was into it and the laughs were long so I yeah. was able to pace myself with the jokes. Then we had two shows that Saturday night, which was interesting interesting because the early show full of energy i mean really? electric i the first two words i said they just went crazy and that was very special and then the second show was more subdued and i had to work a little harder but that's just the essence of stand-up comedy you know you get so many different variations of uh personalities and attitudes and responses with crowds and i just you know for, and I, I do something totally different but i do a lot of speaking so it's a little bit different but it's the same deal when you get in there and your crowd is dead because mm-hmm. i feed off the energy of the crowd and i know you probably do too but you're you're a pro at this point but um <laughs> yeah but when they're just sitting there staring at you and you hear 
you're like, oh God, yeah, what now? Panic, and yeah. you just uh, but well, you just plow through it. I mean, you just yeah, you have to maintain your personality and your energy. And uh, a friend of mine once told me, as a comedian, you are the thermostat, not the thermometer. So you don't go in the room and take the temperature of the room. Yeah. you set the temperature. So I, I have always kept that in mind. To that's keep a great, my, that's a great line. It is, it is. So it, I always keep that in mind. You know what I was thinking about this show too. This is probably the first one your mom's listened to since you've been gone. Yeah, I texted her this morning. I said, I said, hey, I'm going to be on. <laughs> The air, uh, yeah, you know, you know, she's been listening to the station, but oh, you I'm know, a, you know, I'm a, a bi- you know, I'm a big fan of your mom. <laughs> oh yeah, she's a rock learn. star. She's a rock star, and of course, granny. I got to meet your granny. You did. I did. How I was, was that? Like, How I was, was that meeting my granny? Because I, everybody I, sees what I put about her on Facebook. And well, I almost wanted to get her autograph. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was that big of a moment. Mm-hmm. I had her with me one day in Fondren, and we just walked around Fondren. We went to Campbell's Bakery. We went to Cups, and somebody recognized her and just lost it. And she was so embarrassed. She's like, I don't like this. I want to go back to the car. I don't like all this attention. Stop putting me on Facebook. It's it's hilarious. Wow, she doesn't funny. like the attention at all. No, she really doesn't. She doesn't like you cussing either. <laughs> no, well, I had to explain to her why I use certain curse words in right. my comedy. I actually sat down and said, Granny, this is why I use this word. This is why I use that word. And she said, okay. But the, the word that she has... The, the issue with is P-E-E. She doesn't like the She word doesn't like P-E-E. No, she doesn't Which, like that word. Out of all the other you know four-letter words. You know when you spell that word, it almost sounds like you're saying it? <laughs> it really <laughs> right, does. Yeah, right. exactly. Not so a lot of mystery She doesn't there. have a problem with the four-letter words, really, but Any bodily function, she's out of there. Yep, she says unladylike. Don't say wow. it. Wow, <laughs> wow. Hey, you were, like I said, Huntsville, did you get it? They didn't really get it that much snow up there, though. You didn't get No, uh, but I, you know, I drove from Jackson to Huntsville, and it was just such a scenic thing. Gorgeous, I felt like I was driving through a postcard. It was a five-hour drive. I was alone. I didn't listen to any music or any radio on the way there because I talked through my jokes right. en route to the venue. Uh, but, no, Huntsville didn't get any snow, but it was still cold, blistering. I mean, 25 degrees oh, in, yeah. in the day. So, yeah, I'm not a fan. So when you're working <laughs> late at night, I mean, we've got a whole show full of – because one of the main reasons I want to have you on, number one, just check in on you, see how you're doing, Thank have you. everybody get – because I know folks miss you. But the other thing was, too – You know, anybody who's interested in success and has a dream, I think the way you handled it and the way you did it, and I got to watch it. I mean, I sat there every every week, you know, every Monday, I got to get an update on what you were doing and every step that you were making. You did it right. Um, A lot of people think, well, I'm going to become famous. Well, great. You become famous and you can't handle it because suddenly you've got everything down. And I hope someday you actually write this down Mm -hmm. because watching you take every step along the way and, and you took like smart risks. You didn't. I mean, you took risks, which you have to do if you ever want to chase a dream. Mm-hmm. But you took smart risks, and um, I, I want want to get you to talk about that today a little bit too. Well, these things should be present tense. I'm still taking risks. I'm still having no. to take those uh, calculated steps uh, along this journey because it's been so interesting. You know, I, I left MPB in July, so it's been about been six months. Yeah, it's been about Michelle. Six months. Have you been putting on up with me for that long? She's in there nodding. <laughs> yes. Wow, it's hard to believe. It's been about six months, and, and everybody's asking me, do you miss MPB? Do you miss MPB? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah and no. And, right. You know, of course, I'm making less money. Uh, when you're on Facebook, people see pictures, and they see the glamour, and they just assume oh, sure. that you're magically rich. But I'm not. I'm actually making way less money since when I left MPB, uh, but creatively to be able to have that freedom right. to explore and not have any limits or worry about having an employer. And now I can say things about Trump on Facebook, and I can make videos and things like that. And, and capitalize uh, off my humor. Um, so, I mean, it, it has been a challenge. But like you said, you have to take those calculated steps. Before I quit MPB, I thought, well, this is how much money I need to make to sustain and pay my bills. Um, you know, these are this is how many gigs I need to make. Or right. These are the kind of gigs that I need to pursue. Or this is the amount of money I need to charge. You know, it, it's not so easy as just saying quit because I hear so many stories from my other comedian friends who end up homeless and they're sleeping in their cars. Right. My mom was like, no, you're not going to do that. You know, you're not just going because a lot of people are like, oh, just go to L.A. And I'm like, no, I'm not, no, not no, ready no, for no. L.A. Just yet. I, I really appreciate being here in Jackson and being able to develop my set and be among people who care for me and I can try jokes out without consequence. Uh, You know, just like at the open mics, everybody is so friendly and uh, respectful and responsive to me. And I feel like while I'm here in Mississippi, I'm developing myself as an artist. So when I get to L.A. or New York, I'll be ready. Well, the good news is, too, you've got 
A, you've got the great, you know, just safe place here. I guess safe place is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. But you've also got a national platform doing with Ricky and, of course, with Kevin Hart, mm-hmm. both. I mean, you're so you're able to come home and do it. But just because now with the technology, with Facebook, well, you can do what you're doing anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. About yeah, the, the middleman is not so important anymore. Right. Um, you know, a lot of veteran comedians are pretty bothered by what we consider social media comedians. So right. there are some comedians on Facebook who are they're more like personalities. They do these videos and they get millions and millions of views. And now they're getting booked into comedy clubs. Yeah. I mean, uh, one show they may get paid thirty five five thousand hundred, you know, thirty five hundred to five thousand dollars for one show. And you're like, okay, yeah. And they've yeah. just started doing stand up comedy. And so you have co- comedic veterans who are like, hey, I've been doing this for twenty years. And now who you think you are? You're just gonna come in here? But that's just the essence of social media. Folks are able to build their own brands. A lot of these uh, comedians on social media have two, three million followers so as a promoter i'm thinking oh well maybe my, my comedy club is a little slow this month i'm going to get that 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 amateur novice stand-up comedian in and put some behinds in seats and i'm gonna make money so times have changed when uh from when you could just get on a johnny carson show or you know a late night show and that would propel you to the next level these days social media can do that for you youtube facebook instagram so i'm trying to find balance between that because being funny on social media is one thing but being funny on stage is a completely different beast. There is no editing. There are no filters. Right. You know, whatever you do live in that moment, you're going to get an immediate response. So I try to do some things on social media as far as videos and getting things to go viral. But for me, uh, the importance for me is being funny on stage. So and if I'm before Chris Rock or Kevin Hart, they'll I'll be able to be validated by them. Right. You know, one of the I, I guess one of the tricks is a lot of people think, well, you, if you if you end up on Ricky Smile or end up on Kevin Hart's show, then suddenly you've made it. No, that just means that that means you have to work even harder because mm-hmm. you've got to strike literally when the iron is hot. Right. With social media, it's it's almost you have to keep follow up immediately. So you can't just sit there and say, well, I've made it. Yeah, no, that's, that's not how it works. It's actually a lot of pressure because right. the more things you accomplish – the more people are looking at you to see what's next. Right. So after, since I've been on Comedy Central, folks are like, well, what's next? Are you going to be on HBO next? Yeah, when's your special? Well, I Netflix. don't know. I, yeah. I would hope so. But it's constant pressure from people. You do one thing and they want to know what's next. So if there is no room for uh, comfort or complacency or just being stagnant. Like you have to keep going to sustain, which is extremely challenging. It really is. And I can tell you just, you know, from me doing radio, television, doing the six cartoons a week, doing the speaking, the books and all this different Different stuff. You constantly and social media and so forth having to write for Facebook and have to write for Twitter and do Instagram. You suddenly realize that you know you really can't take a day off, mm-hmm. and and you're facing the same thing. Do you ever have days when you just wake up and go, I, I can't think of anything. I'm just going to sit there and stare at the wall all day. Well, involuntarily, I have those days. Yeah. Because if it were my preference, I would want to think of something every day, and right. I do try to write five to ten jokes a day. I was going to ask, do you have something where you just say, okay, I'm going to do this, and even if the jokes are terrible, I'm just going to mm-hmm. sit down and write just to make sure well, I do. Yeah, because it's just a way for me to exercise my brain. Right. I, like, I don't want to get dormant or lazy and just sit around. I mean, for me, I mean, Cat Williams was talking about as a comedian, if you're a real comedian, comedian, then every moment of your life will be something that you can think of in a comedic way. That's right. Which is actually pretty stressful because when I'm out, I'm not just having fun. I'm thinking, oh, that could be a joke. That could be a joke because I consider myself an observational comic. And if that's the truth, then I have to observe at all times. And so literally every day, if something pops up in my head or in my sleep, I wake up and I send a message to myself on Facebook. So I have a whole long message thread to myself on Facebook and then I copy all those joke ideas and I put them in Microsoft Word and then I go back and see what has potential. But this is a weekly thing. This is a weekly thing for me. Um, So I feel like I have to exercise my brain all the time. But things are changing so fast. Like I have a show coming up in January and I'm preparing material for it now, but I'm thinking, well, what is going to happen between now and January that I'm going to need to discuss? Uh, So it, it is a challenge being active all the time and, and making sure I'm aware and doing what I'm supposed to do as a comedian because you have to stay abreast of everything. Our friend Rita B is with us and we're going to continue talking to her for the rest of the show. But hey, we have a question of the day. What is your dream job? How about being a comedian? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I, I think so. You <laughs> give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Wow, just a couple weeks for Christmas. I hope you got it yourself. Michelle, I know you've got your gift for me already. Same thing you got me last year, right? Of course, of course. It's a a dirty Santa gift, though, you know. Oh, good. Good, It's a dirty Santa gift for you. That's good to know. Um, (laughs) That's to say, I think I'm... Never mind. Whoa. Uh, Dream job. Michelle, what's your dream job? Well, um, I believe right now that I'm doing it. Um, There you go. Like, um, no, I'm serious. Jason Uh, just came by and waved. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Our boss. No, um, just... Like Reed was saying, I grew up. My father was the general manager at WJSU at Jackson State for so twenty five years. Do radio. Not new. I wanted it. Yeah. So I was in third grade with Mike with headphones on, pretending to do the news in third grade wow. in a little extra room upstairs at the Blackburn Building on campus of Jackson State. So all my life, I spent in a radio station. So I wanted to do that, and it's funny um, doing it this long. And you're like, I'm actually doing what I wanted to do when I was young. Yeah. Um, but I have dreams. I want to open a mentoring program for young girls, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. I want. Um, I'm getting my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling, so I want to counsel with radio at the same time. So That's those how are she some. Got on this show. <laughs> no, those are some big dreams that I have. Um, incorporating radio in my dream as well. So that's what I want to do. But I, right now, I feel that I'm living my dream as well just like uh sharita i just look at her as an inspiration of wanting to do something and being a little fearful or not scared per se but just not knowing and i like what you said she she planned for it she planned yeah. strategically and, and and responsibly and then she still every day it's growing every day i no, i haven't arrived i'm I'm arriving. I'm doing what I need to do to get to the next level every day. And that's what people need to do every day in their everyday lives. Just well, prepare every day. A lot of people think that, you know, well, I'm going to jump off the ship. I'm going to go swim to shore to my dream. No, you got to let the ship get kind of close to the dock before mm-hmm. you jump off because a lot of people go under because they don't make it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you touched on something because it was your dream because you wanted to do it. You knew you were going to do it. You didn't mind putting in the work. Oh, yeah. Does and that's take the thing. Work. And mm-hmm. I mean, Sharia, probably, you, you probably agree 100%. And I'm the same way, too. When I was eight years old, I knew I was going to be an editorial cartoonist. Like wow. Sharita said, she really had to weird. jump on the stage and just tell jokes. I got a joke, you know. And yeah, it's funny, fun. people who are not in the business, we don't look and see how much work goes into being a comedian. Kevin Hart talks yeah. about that. And all the greats, and you do. You, too, mm-hmm. as well. You talk about that it takes a lot of work to be able to take what you have in your head and make it happen on that stage and you do it so well you'd well. actually done you'd actually done the work up and you've been on stage already i mean you were a drummer you were a musician you were you mm-hmm. you were kind of used to it so it's not like the first time you stepped up they were terrified so you, you, you know yes, you think it's of, a little different yeah uh, well, a know. lot different because you're on spotlight on you <laughs> yeah being yeah. a drummer i right. always had the luxury of being in the background and i didn't have to say anything i would sing occasionally but just yeah. playing and keeping the beat was different but being the person who's out there first and it's your words alone that have to carry you for 15, 20 minutes. I'm telling you, it is a lot of pressure. Now, yeah. I do enjoy that as a comedian, there's way less labor. I I, I promise. I, I mean, I, I still play occasionally with a, a group named Heart Society, and I play drums at church as well. But I do not miss having to set up all, in all those drums because yeah. I'm the smallest one or the biggest instrument in the band. And being a musician, you may play four hours for, you know, $150. And so, you know, banging the buck don't necessarily mesh well all the time as a, as a musician. So I am enjoying doing a little less labor, physical labor as a comedian uh, than, I, than I was as a drummer. Because it, I, I was, my, my, my body is aching. I was getting tired of doing all that. You're getting old. Yeah, you know. yeah. I you, am. You, my you, knees are popping. You know, I turned 30 this year. I know, and you're falling apart. All kind of stuff is happening. I mean, happening. you look totally different since the last, I mean, the yeah, last six months. Just falling apart. Things are sagging. Yeah. Well, Sharita, let me ask me you a question. How did... Um, <laughs> How did that Heart of the City happen for you guys, Uh, especially just for you? How did it happen? How did it come about? Well, the Heart of the City is um, a show on Comedy Central, 
It's uh, put together by Kevin Hart. So he has this thing where he wants to highlight up-and-coming comedians. Uh, because, like I said, it's hard for us to get shine these days. It was The late-night scene is different, and uh, TV is so a la carte now. Uh, you know, you can't just turn on television and see a comedian because everything is spread out so much. So Kevin Hart said, I want to uh, showcase up-and-coming comedians. So he's been going to these different cities uh, and picking about four comedians to be on a show. We each have gotten about 10-minute sets apiece. So he came here to Jackson. Last year he went to Alabama and Atlanta, and I was thinking, oh, he's not going to come to Mississippi because when you think about Mississippi, you don't think of comedy, comedy is not the <laughs> first thing that comes to mind. Typically is music. Mm-hmm. And so we got the call that he was coming to Jackson. Jackson to pick uh, some comedians, and there were about 40 that tried out. It was more like a showcase, and we sent in our showcase to his people, and they came back and they picked four out of the 40. And uh, I was one of the women. I was the only woman you uh, were. to be chosen. And you were hilarious. And I had no, I had no doubt. Good. You know, it's funny. I remember when you were going to try out for that, and I was like, mm-hmm. you're going to get it. Yeah. I mean, I knew it. And you're like, See, that self-doubt creeps in, but that's though, funny because, because I'm thinking, ah, oh, something may go right. wrong. I, I may, my material may not be right. what they want. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I didn't want to think I was a shoe-in, but it yeah. made me prepare even more. It made it work hard. Yeah. yeah, I like the shoe you. joke. Uh, I carry that. I, I, <laughs> I, I sent you a message on uh, Instagram. I know you saw that. That was the fun. I was laying in the bed, crying, laughing. I told my daughter to come in the room, <laughs> look at this legend right here on television. This and your timing. And you know, um, a lot of comedians talk about that. Like you said, it's an art to it. It's a mm-hmm. strategically planned thing. The way you time, the way you say something, how you say it, and where you put it. Your timing is funny, and it's like this you're so matter of fact mm-hmm. but that's your is that i think is that your thing you do yeah like jerry seinfeld he talks about the the art of writing jokes and he writes all of his out i write all of mine out and he talks about you know taking away words that don't have meaning um and so it, you have to think about those things when I'm writing a joke. Can I get to the punchline quicker? Uh, I can't tell you how many times I'll rewrite a joke and then I record it and listen to it. And when I listen to myself tell the joke, I'll hear something that I can refine or alter a little bit. So that that, that takes time. It, it takes time, but it's so necessary. It helps me with that timing. And your Shirley joke. Oh, my God. The kids. <laughs> See, you, so I have to tell people to get on the Internet because I can't tell all these jokes I know. on the air, it's so. like, And you have so much. And you're, you started off with uh, how did you meet? Ricky Smiley. That's what I always wanted people to know. Yeah, well, last year, what is it, 2017? Okay. Last year, 2016, I was in an open mic competition at the Stardome Comedy Club in Birmingham, Alabama. And there were about 12 competitors. And uh, once again, I was like, I'm not going to win this. And my manager, Miranda, was with me. And she was like, you're going to win this thing. And I was second-guessing my material. It was only a five-minute set that we were supposed to do. But I went and looked at the crowd, and I was like, oh, man, there's black and white people out there. My jokes are too black. Let me fix this. Let me fix this. And Miranda said, no keep what you have just be confident and deliver it and I, I end up winning that competition and the owner's wife Bruce Ayers his wife saw me that night and she introduced me to Bruce Ayers who was the owner of the Stardome and I skipped right to the big stage because that was the whole point of winning the open mic competition you get to go to the big stage where all the big headliners are and the owner introduced me to Ricky Smiley because he thought we had the same kind of uh, uh, same kind of feel same kind of personality as far as our material was concerned and he introduced me to Ricky and I auditioned for Ricky on one show and the rest is history. You're doing the right now. I'm going to tell you this because I got to tell you, um, because every step along the way you were prepared and you extra prepared so that if you had blown it on that open mic night, you wouldn't be sitting here right now. Right. Or you'd be sitting in there right now. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's a completely different. It's like you said about taking chances. Yeah. And that is something that I struggle with uh, because I think most of us, when it comes to our art and our creativity, we ask ourselves, are we good enough? Right. And sometimes that fear of not knowing if you're good enough will stop you from trying. It's my worst editor. Yeah. It really is. Self-doubt's terrible. Yeah. And I heard this, uh, this, this author, I think her name is Lisa Knowles. She was talking about fear and yeah. I had been, I had been struggling with fear. Fear and you know, and she she said that fear is fine. Embrace the fear. Use the energy it creates. Yeah, you know, yeah. just just don't let it be in the driver's seat. Right. It's, it's going to be there because I I had started saying that oh I'm I'm fearless I'm fearless and that's not true I'm right. afraid every time I get on the stage but you embrace the fear and then you do whatever it is you're supposed to do anyway so it's okay to be afraid but just still do you know don't let the fear stop you from doing what it is you want to do and especially being a comedian 
you don't have to be in your 20s or 30s to be a comedian. I know right. some folks who have just entered stand-up comedy at the age of 50. And let Chris Rock tell it, that's the best time because you have kids and you have a family. Like, I don't have any children. And so I can't really talk about that experience. But Chris Rock said when he got kids, it took him his material to a different level. So by the time you're 50, you'll have plenty of material. You know, here I am, 30. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm struggling to, well, to find material. Well, usually the way it, comedy works is and a lot of times if you write something and everybody sees it or you say you get up on stage and you do something and if they can relate. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what makes comedy work. Absolutely. Because if it doesn't, if there's no truth to it, if there's not that little golden throne, your jokes don't work. Right. Kevin Hart said that that was the moment he the moment he became a real comedian is when he started talking about things he was going through. Yeah. So he and his ex-wife had a lot of issues. And he said when he started talking about those things in his set, that's when he became relatable. And that's when he became a real comedian, when he started telling the truth, because before he was telling made up stories and made up stories may be funny, right. but not necessarily truthful. You know, people may not come up to you afterwards and say, oh, that happened to me as well. But when I'm on stage and I'm talking about my mother and my grandma, mother and oh everybody's got a granny yeah I mean, exactly. everybody right right yeah. so i'm learning that the truth really is valuable on you, stage you did something very smart along the way too a lot of people get bullheaded and they want they want to do it themselves you've got a really great partner in this whole adventure mm-hmm. miranda tell us a little bit about her Absolutely. Met Miranda a couple years ago, and uh, she hosts an open mic event in in Mississippi, uh, in Ridgeland, called Synergy Nights. And so, uh, you know, she's into the arts and everything. And when I met her, I didn't know I was looking for a manager, but I saw the way she worked, and I said, hey, you want to be my manager? Yeah. And she told me no like five times. She's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I don't really? Know. Yeah, because she's never had a, a, a client. You know, okay. she's like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know what to do. I don't know anything about Was it about nothing comedy. personal about you? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, so. You smell funny. <laughs> right. Uh, but eventually she said yes. And yeah. um, she has just been uh, an anchor for me when when all of my self-doubt comes in. She's mm-hmm. right there to say, no, get it out the way. Uh, and as far as branding and mar- branding See, and marketing. See, that's been huge because all your stuff looks very professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the the branding and marketing has set me apart, um, and and she is an expert at that. You know, she does some consulting as well for for other artists. But people don't realize uh, when you're on social media, the way your things look can affect the way people perceive you. Huge. So even when I put out event flyers, I get it professionally done by a graphic artist. Um, anything that I put out is I've paid for it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and made sure that it looks professional. And so she's just been extremely instrumental in that and making sure I stay grounded. Um, even, you know, when I've thought about getting the big head about some things, you know, no. she she's made yeah. me, helped me stay grounded. And so she's just been extremely instrumental. Um, a lot of my road trips, she's with me, mm-hmm. riding with me. She's taking pictures. She's recording my material. She's way more than a manager. I mean, she should probably be getting more percentage, more of a percentage that I'm giving her. I hope she's not listening because I don't want to get her hopes up. But, uh, <laughs> but she, she, you know, manager friend and, and just has just been amazing with me along this journey. And I, I'm going to keep her around. <laughs> the, the glamour side of this, everybody thinks it's such a glamorous life. But I mean, yeah, you got 15 minutes of glamour, and then you've got. To get there, you've got to you get all the booking. You've got to do. It's, it's yeah, that's work. the work. Actually, you know, one comedian broke it down to me the, the other week. He was like, you know, really, we only work an hour a day maximum as a comedians, but the work is driving. You know, yeah. Huntsville was a five-hour drive, and there's a lot of trees between here and Huntsville. Yeah, and you know, you have to stop at these gas stations and use it in unpleasant places. The eggnog got to me the other day, and I had to stop, and it was uh, it was challenging. It was a long drive to Huntsville. <laughs> We're going to continue our conversation with comedian Rita B. Of course, you remember her from the show. Oh, gosh, so good to have her back. And, of course, our question today is this. What is your dream job? You can give us a call at 877-672-7464. That's, ah, gosh, it's good to have you back. Anyway, (laughs) this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. 
I just can't get this car to turn over. That's because you're not a mechanic. You should donate that car to MPB. Mississippi Public Broadcast? Yes, exactly. They'll take your car, truck, boat. Even if it's not working, they'll come pick it up for you. I guess that sounds easy enough because somebody went a little overboard on a Black Friday shopper. Donate by dialing 1-877-MPB-4-CAR or visiting mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Comedian Rita B. is in the stage. Uh, hey. Rita, Rita B., Rita Brandt. <laughs> Rita Brent, we, we we are trying to rebrand. We're rebranding now. Yes, yeah, so Rita Brent. Okay, Rita. Ricky Brent. told me that I need to use my full name. Full he name. said no nicknames. He said think about everybody who's famous: Kevin Hart, Steve Harvey, Wanda Sykes, Ellen DeGeneres, right. Oprah Winfrey. Use your full name so right. you get all the credit. No nicknames. People won't take you seriously with nicknames. My cousin Dave did the. He used to have a radio show, and it was called The Money Game. Mm-hmm. And they said no, every you know it's it's the Rush Limbaugh show. It's the you know all these different shows. So he became the Dave Ramsey show, mm-hmm. and then he. Psh, Went through the rocket, so that's really great advice. And yeah. that has got to be—I mean, you can't pay for that kind of advice, right? Yeah, that's I was nice. sitting in the dressing room with Ricky the other night, and he was just telling me what he thought I needed to do as far as going to the next yeah. level. And I'm like, this is surreal. I mean, this is a man that I've watched growing up on BET and Comic View, and and to be sitting here with him, just having casual talk, is just amazing. I I couldn't be more humbled and, and appreciative. Well, I'm not going to make you give too many of the secrets out, but where it comes couple things he told you. Well, one thing, interestingly enough, the first time I met Ricky, um, I used to be extremely nervous before I went on stage. Still am. Yeah. But I had convinced myself that if I took a little shot of Jack Daniels, that it would knock the nervousness off. It usually does. First time I met Ricky, I had a little thing of Jack Daniels, like the size of my pinky finger. It was sitting right behind me. Yeah. And Ricky looked at me and he was like, what's that? I was like, "Mm, what you talking about? And he's like, you don't need that. You don't need to drink anything before you go on stage. Let it be natural. Let it be organic. And from that day on, I never drank anything before I go on stage. And it's fine because it wasn't removing the nervousness. Right. <laughs> I mean, if anything, it was, it was probably making me slur my words. Uh, you know, I would just take a shot of it. You know, I, I, I never, I've never been drunk or anything before I performed. But, you know, some of us have our vices and things that we think help enhance right. our performance. You know, for some, a lot of my comedian friends, they smoke marijuana before they get on stage. And I'm like, Jesus, how do you do that? You know, right. so I don't drink anything before I go on stage. And he's right. It has helped me focus and everything. So um, that was one of the first things he taught me when uh, when I first met him was don't try to do anything to enhance yourself. Let it be natural. Uh, because I wouldn't be able to keep that up, you know. Well, anyway. the type of comedian you are, too. You're observational. You have to be very quick. You have to be quick-witted. And you don't want to Especially do for hecklers. And you, exactly. That's the point. And I mean, let, let it be known that I did not drink Jack Daniels before my church gigs. So I'm not sure church folks are listening like, what? She was drinking, no, just Welch's drinking grape whiskey juice. before uh, church? Yeah. yeah Welch's grape juice. You're <laughs> good. Chameleon juice, right. Exactly. You were good. I had a little <laughs> shot glass. You were good. Right. Uh, but you're right, because you get up there, you have to be nimble and you have to be quick. And like you said, when, so, how do you handle hecklers? I've only had a couple, thankfully. Um, one See, I would never have heckled you. I'm scared of you. A little bit, you know. <laughs> well, of course, you could shut my mic off. Well, some people are intoxicated at shows. No. And uh, they feel like it's it's their show yeah. and they want to take the stage. And so they don't respect the comedians. And in some cities, they're just not familiar with comedy etiquette. When I'm at these yeah. comedy clubs, most times, if you say anything back to the comedian, you will immediately get removed. Or the owner may just give you a chance to respond and embarrass them. Right. Uh, so that's what I try to do. Uh, embarrass it depend- them. And it depends on what they say when they say something. Because some people are just excited about a joke and they may holler something out and I'll respond to them. And then we can kind of go back and forth in a fun way. So I've done that too. But you can't give people in the audience too much power. Right. Sometimes I'll completely ignore folks with, when they holler things out. Because at that point, if you give them the mic... If you give them the floor and they are more quick-witted than you, then you can get embarrassed. I've seen this happen earlier yeah. this year. I was at a Chris Rock show, and I won't say the young man's name, but one of his opening acts got heckled, and he did not own the heckler, and it got really embarrassing really quickly. And he he, lost had, the he floor. had to end his set early uh, because the heckler won. So you have to be really careful when you respond to hecklers. You know, if you, if you're not quick-witted, and if you don't have a quick response, you should either ignore them or if you 
feel like you can embarrass them, you should, and they will be quiet, and they'll remember that night for the rest of their lives. Speaking of church gigs, I think about the parable of the talents, you know, how the master leaves the talents with the three servants, and there's one guy that gets scared and he buries it. That's the fear part right there, and that's where you got to be very careful. The other two um, got, you know, 10 and 5, I think, and they went out and they used their talents, and when the master came back, he gave them more. And the reason where this is going is I think about, you know, you were a singer, you could play drums, you were on stage, you were in the Army, you did all these different things. But now you're doing the stand-up comedy. It's like now you're doing acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't. Know, I mean, it's like it's fun watching your career kind of just evolve and go into different directions. It seems like one thing leads to another. Yeah, I guess what I think about the comedians I um, revere the most: yeah. Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, uh, Kevin Hart. They've all gone into acting. That Robin, seems Robin like, Williams. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That seems like the next level. Yeah. Um, and so this year I was in my first play called Yoked by Tracy Nealand. Once again, I didn't want to do it. Miranda told me about it, and there was a smaller role I could have taken. And Miranda was like, no, you need to take the lead role. And I was like, I don't want to. I don't know if I'm going to remember these lines, and mm-hmm. I've, I've never acted. And uh, Miranda pushed me to go ahead and do it, and it was an amazing experience. Uh, Tracy Nealon was the, the playwriter, and she allowed me to improvise a little bit. So I knew the lines, but I could also insert my own talent as well and my, my own co- comedic perspective on things. And so it was great. We only did one showing, which was enough for me. I also had to sing in the play, which I was more worried about singing than actually remember and remembering the lines. But just the cast I worked with was great. And it was it was great to be among people who do it, who do acting. They act and they're professionals and they're trained. And so I'm learning from them. You know, I wasn't the big fish in a, in a yeah. pond. I was learning from them. And so it was a great experience. And, and now I'm ready, ready to get into some movies. But, you know, acting is different. You have to be on set all day. And that's that'll be different for me. You discovered that during the Jackson documentary. Yes. uh, Visit Jackson, uh, the the city with soul. The documentary we did filmed it all last year. And you can see it now on uh, JXN.MS. It is a wonderful six part series. Uh, We just went all around Jackson exploring some of the gyms and uh, some of the places in the city. Uh, that that folks don't know about, but that need recognition. And so uh, Cleta Ellington was one of the producers. We worked with Morris Wesson Baker and, of course, Visit Jackson. And uh, it's a six-part series, and I was hosting it, and and it was wonderful. But acting, once again, having to act, and, man, doing, like, one one take turned into 15 takes, and we were supposed to be on set for maybe an hour, and it ended up being three hours. So acting is no joke. It's not like stand-up comedy where you get on and off. <laughs> so, you know, you really have to set a, set aside some time if you want to do some acting. But I think it is rewarding. Though. I think so, too. And, and, you know, I think when you watch... When you want, when you when you are acting, you're working on some skill sets that also will make your stand up even better too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you learn how to moat and get stuff like that out there as well. Yeah, learned about placement on the stage, and um, and I, I think I was a little more uh, reserved than I, I should have been. I could have put more into it as yeah. far as my my nonverbal movements and things like that. But that's just going to come with me getting out of my shell because. You, to be honest, I'm completely different off stage than I am on stage. Right. And it disappoints a lot of people because when they meet me, they expect me to be loud and energetic like I am on stage. But I need a break. I cannot be on all the time. Now, just in regular conversation, I'm funny. Yeah. But, you know, folks need to they have you, you got to lay off us comedians. Like, just stop coming up to us and saying, tell me a joke. That is the most annoying thing that ever. Is, yeah. Like you're just like somebody puts a quarter <laughs> oh in gosh. you and you can start spewing out jokes. Yeah, like, any rabbits uh, with me on yeah. me you know that, i'm just letting it know let it be known if you meet me please do not ask me to tell a joke because it's annoying all right let's just just talk to me get to know me you know i i am a person before i am a comedian so <laughs> all those years of doing cartoons some lady came up to my wife and said what's it like being married to somebody who's funny all the time and amy looked at her and said i have no idea right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well no there, there's other parts to this you yeah, know? But, yeah. The, but observational of course we live in times right now where you almost feel guilty if you can't come up with something because there's so much out there. Right. And um, who was I looked at? I was listening to uh, Judd Apatow and, and he yeah. was talking about um, Trump and how the, the pressure of comedians having to figure out what to say about him. Because, how do you out satire satire? Yeah, because all of us can look and have the same angles. And he said, well, this is the worst time for comedians uh, because we 
feel this pressure to all talk about the same thing, you know, because if you're at a show and you don't bring up Trump's name, then it's like, well, you're not up to date on what's going on in the world. You know, we want to hear what you have to say about Trump. So uh, that that is uh, a little challenging, figuring out different avenues to talk about things like the sexual assault. Um, But I've talked about these this weekend. I came up with some bits and I did them on stage, and, and it was great. It is risky, you yeah. know. It's it's risky because you don't know how people are going to respond. You don't know if there's someone in the audience who has experienced something. So you have to be tactful with, with these topics. Something like sexual assault is extremely sensitive, um, you know. But like you said, being relatable. I've had my own sexual assault situation, right. so I make it relatable first. And, right. and, you know, try not to be offensive. You um – Coming up on new material, a lot of comedians get mad if people are in the audience with the phones. That mm-hmm. they're, because, you know, really when you're out there on the stage, that's kind of like a laboratory for you. You get to actually try new things. Do you get upset when you see people filming you? Yes. Um, at all the comedy clubs, they say no pictures and videos. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes comedians are working out new material. Working out jokes. Um, and so we don't want you to put something that's... Uh, premature on on the internet and have it judged that's not the way it works but when i went to dave Chappelle and chris rocks shows this year in new orleans they made us put our phones in magnetic pouches before we went into the show and we did not have access to the phones throughout the show and if you had an emergency you had to leave out and get it unlocked and it was amazing because we were forced to talk to our neighbors i met new people Mm -hmm. at the show i was uh, i was aware of my surroundings and i wasn't in my phone um, so most of us prefer that you turn the phones oh. off, turn them off. And, and you also kind of cheat yourself out of what comedians may present to you, because if the phone is on, yeah. comedians may not take risks with their material. That's a good you know, point. Like the, the comedy store and uh, the Laugh Factory, they'll show a picture of Dave Chappelle popping up, but you're not going to get video because there's no telling what he may say, yeah. you know, and we, des- we deserve the right to express ourselves without it being judged all the time That's or right. end up being protested or it, it, it being considered some kind of shaming. You know, everybody's so, so sensitive now uh, that comedians have to be extremely careful about what they say and how they say it. Uh, so yeah, we prefer you put the phones down. I've so noticed that with freedom. my cartoons too. People, we're just living like the captain's turn on the no joking sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, we, people are really, really overly serious right now. It's like, yeah. Folks, we need to take a step back. Yeah. Life's I don't know what this about. I mean, some things, of course you yeah. have to treat with seriousness, but we're comedians. Exactly. You know, I do these prayers on the internet. Um, yeah, you get people things. mad about that, saying you're being yeah, sacrilegious or something. Mocking and all that, yeah. but most people are appreciative. You, you know? haven't been struck by lightning yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Day's young, though. we got Robert <laughs> in Memphis who would like to join in on the conversation. Robert, hello, and welcome to the show. Hey, Sharina. This is, uh, you've been part of my MPB family for as long as I've known about MPB, and then suddenly you disappeared, and I didn't know what happened <laughs> to you. I'm glad that we lost you to success and not something bad. Yes, yes, I do miss MPB. But thank you, it. Robert. Congratulations and good luck. Thank you. Appreciate your call. All right. That was a that was a tough transition because I mean you were very well known, very popular here, and then suddenly, but you, you know, and I said that I said, hey, you want to do a show or something on your leaving out? And you're like, no, I just kind of want to, you know, ease off because we don't want there to be a big deal. And it was so weird leaving MPB because this is the best job I've ever had. I know, working with me was awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, literally, hands down. Yeah, uh, and she's rolling her <laughs> eyes, by the way. But my friends are have been going through real things on their jobs, you know, yeah. harassment, bullying. And I'm like, I wasn't experiencing any of that at MPB. But all of the signs were telling me that I needed it was to leave. It yeah, Because yeah. you were so busy. I mean, you would call me up. I'd get a text from you or an email from you at 9 o'clock on Sunday night. Oh, yeah, I think we got this person as a guest. And mm-hmm. here's like that. And I was like, oh, she's got to be exhausted. It was just too much. And it, it can be a thing uh, when you are a person who is interested in many things, you're passionate about many things, you want to try to keep your hand in all these That's baskets. That's the hardest thing. Yeah, but something is going to suffer, you yes. know. And, and I was starting to make MPB suffer. I was coming to work late. I wasn't putting my all into it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do MPB you were like this. I'm just going to quit. Yeah, I was eating all the food. Uh, but, you know, like Jerry Seinfeld says, you have to be fully committed to right. at least one thing. You do. Because for my life, I feel like I've been a jack of all trades and a master of none. You know, everybody's, oh, Rita can play drums. She can do this. She can do that. Yeah. But what what have I mastered? So I'm trying to master comedy. Trying to. You know, and at, about seven years ago, I went from being a full-time cartoonist to part-time. And then I started doing radio and television and everything. I always tell people I feel like I'm the air traffic controller at Hartsfield. 
mm-hmm. you know, over in Atlanta. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I got planes coming in all the time. And I think you're right because stuff starts falling through the crack. You start suffering. Yeah. But at the same time, you need multiple streams of income. Yeah, because, so, you know, <laughs> just my, figuring my kids it out. eat like locusts, you know, they, yeah. they need food. So They're just good. figuring out when yeah. to give your all to a specific thing is important. This is a great question. What's the oddest place you've ever performed? Mm, I think I we hear music. We'll I do tell, that I after, after the break. break. How about yeah. that? We'll do that after the break. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. You remember her as Sharita Brent. She's now Rita Brent, comedian and, of course, friend of the show. It's glad to have her back. I missed her. You know, I, I, bumped, in, I bumped into you in the, in the weirdest places. You, you, we did a storytellers event the other day, and I was emceeing it, and you were there, and you just knocked it out of the park. Thank you. I was struggling. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. That's the thing. It's hard for me to listen back oh, yeah. to my stuff. Do you air check yourself? Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask on that. Air checking I pretty much is, record it just all means of my, list, Yeah, it just means mm-hmm. listening to your stuff. I pretty much record all of my sets because that's the only way I know what worked, what I need to throw out, what I need to fix. As hard as it is to listen back <laughs> to those jokes. And if, if one joke didn't get a lot of laughs, I'm cringing like, oh, Jesus, you know, but it's fine. Uh, but, yeah, the storytellers thing was really fun. It's a It was a collaboration between Claire and Ledger and USA Today. Yeah. Um, I was so fortunate to be a part of that and to talk that's about That's when I got to meet your granny. Yeah, have she was present. there on the front row. Yeah, yeah. But I was struggling that night to remember the lines well, to was, my own it was story. A, it was a long story. I mean, it was like 10 minutes you yeah, had to go. So. Yeah, yeah. But that was a fun experience. Well, let's talk about the value of humor. And I, we were talking a little bit off the air. You know, I do a lot of work with cancer survivors, and I'll get up there and I'll, t- I'll start kind of do a stand-up about cancer. And people are mm-hmm. like, well, cancer's not funny. I'm like, yeah, it is, because if you survive cancer, the only way you're going to do it is with a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a time now where humor is getting more and more important. I mean, do you sense that? Yeah. Um, for me, comedy has been an escape because before I started doing comedy, I was just mad about things. And when I expressed myself, it came off as angry. You yeah. know, it was, I would, people were looking at me like I'm just a little mad black woman. And when it came to race and politics and things like that, but through comedy, it's less threatening, yeah. you know, uh, for me, a black woman to be talking about things uh, in the world. And uh, I think comedy is extremely valuable. I get all kinds of messages. My mother is having dialysis treatments and what? my mother is uh, going through chemo and she's watching your prayer videos yeah, to get her through. And yeah. so now it's helping me see, oh, this has more purpose than I thought it yeah. did. But I appreciate those who just take the time to laugh because you, you need you need to laugh to escape. And, and comedy has helped me in that in that respect. It is. Um, of course, you're saying you don't know what's going to go on in the next month or so because things could change. But where do you see yourself in maybe another year? Wow. Maybe with a, net, a Netflix special. That would be great. That would be um, fun. Yeah, or an HBO special or something. I think that would be Can the I next level. Can I get tickets level. and be in the audience? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I won't heckle you, I promise. Maybe, maybe a role in a movie. Um, yeah. May or may not be moving away from Jackson soon. May or may not be. Uh, but if I do, it will be to to pursue some acting opportunities and try to. I would think get Atlanta, Atlanta would be industry. a good Atlanta would be a good place. Yeah, Atlanta. Um, I am afraid to move to New York. Too cold and too much stuff going on politically there. So I don't know if I would move to New York. But Atlanta maybe as a vehicle, and then L.A. And my my ultimate goal though is to be the the first black late night television host. That's my ultimate you know goal. What? I would like to. I have heard you on the radio. I think you can host. I think, yeah, you, I think you've, got the, you've got the chops. You could do that. <laughs> yeah, take over for Jimmy Fallon or something. You could, they could call it Everyday Tech. That's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. No. Uh, no, no, no. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Fallon, he could have you as a sub, substitute to get you warmed up for it. Yeah, I could hop on the drums, you know, play with Quest Love. It, you know, it could happen. But so. here's the thing. I mean, with Facebook Live and with, with all the things, you could actually do your own show. If you want the time, mm-hmm. you could actually create that. And then somebody might see it and go, well, she can do it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's probably Miranda how it's and I end are up working on a little something like that. Miranda and I are working on a little something like that. Uh, and while I'm here, please by all means follow me on social media, folks. R I T A B R E N T Comedy Rita Brent Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. We uh, really, really appreciate a follow. Going to be making a big announcement today about a show that's uh, coming up in 2018. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Oh, great! You're are you going to come? Well, yeah, to the if, show? if it's here. Okay, yeah, it's, it's going to so be in Jackson. Gonna do, you can do it at the Alamo again? Of course See, I am. I remember when you did that first show, you were so nervous about it, and you didn't mm-hmm. know if anybody would show up and everything else, and it was like, pow, you just hit it over the just 400 yards. Yeah, uh, ill-advised, I did a, a special in 2015. I had yeah. only been doing comedy for two years, and I was like, all right, I'm ready to do a whole hour, you know. An hour, <laughs> I did, yeah. I did Rita B. as New Black at the Alamo Theater, and it was a good show. The it material was. was good, but where I am now compared to where I was in 2015, I was like, I had no business doing an hour special, maybe 30 minutes. Um, and then last year I did all laughs matter at, uh, the Alamo again. And it was good. I did another hour and some of the material didn't go so good. So I had to take it out. Um, but this year, the, the name of this one is, uh, Rita B live at the Alamo theater. What a year. So I'll be talking about politics and the things I've experienced being 30 for the first time. And, um, so that's gonna, that's gonna be another one. I may do 30 or 45 minutes. You know, when you're young, you think, Oh, I just want to do a whole bunch of material, but quality is what really matters. You can bring an opening act. I don't know. We're thinking about it. Either a musical act or a comedic act. Uh, typically, I have some kind of music on my shows because, you know, well, that's what I'm you a musician. Do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll either be a comedy act or a music act. But it's going to be January 20th. Very cool. Of course, mm-hmm. you can just go to your social media. You can find it. And really, I mean, I love following you on it. Thank so, you. Number one, I keep up with you. Oh, good. I Thank you. I get tired, too. Do you get tired? I do. Just watch all, all the keeping up with you. It's like, good grief. I feel lazy or something. But the so, worst gig. Yeah. Um, worst gig. Yeah. The worst place. That was the question. It was, uh, okay, it's local, so I can't be too, too, too forthcoming specific. here. But it was an event that it was not a comedy show. It was just a place where they had put comedy. And uh-huh. there's a difference in a comedy club. Because people ain't expecting you to be funny. Yeah, or they just don't want comedy at all. You know, right. they're drinking. They just want a, a fellowship. But I I had started a joke I, I mean, maybe I had only just introduced myself, and then this girl started booing me. She's like, bring on Kevin Hart, bring on Dave Chappelle, and she was booing me, <laughs> and I began to roast her. I reversed, heckled her, yes. and uh, she didn't like it, and she wanted to fight. She took her shoes off, and I took my shoes off. She took her jacket off. I took her jacket and she took her eyelashes off. I was like, well, I don't have any extra eyelashes. She but, took off her eyelashes. That's serious yeah, right there. Yeah, but if you want to fight with, we can fight, you know, but that was, a, that was an interesting time. Did was, she not know you were in the Army? No, I don't think she did, but okay. I was recalling all of those moves I learned. I was going to twist the elbow and do some some tricky stuff that she had never seen. But uh, that was that was probably the worst gig I've ever had, where I almost came to blows with a, a woman. And it was a woman. She's so what a happened? Young did woman. she finally? Dis- she left out. She left out. Okay. Her friends dragged her out. They held her back. They held her back. Yeah. <laughs> Rita, man, it's just great to see you. Thank so, you. Good so to see you too. Proud Marshall. of you and everything that's going on. We'll get you back in when you even become more famous. How about that? Yeah, we'll see. We'll That'd see. Michelle, thanks, thanks, thank Michelle. you so much. Michelle's awesome. Thank you for producing as well. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back next Monday. Y'all have a great week.